This is the Context Podcast sponsored by Proofgeist. I'm your host, Jeremy Brown. The FileMaker community thrives in many different arenas, from online forums and chat groups to full-fledged yearly virtual or in-person someday conferences. There's also FileMaker user groups and now one Claris Connect user group. These local meetups have been around for ages and the leaders of these groups strive to make them great for the users and developers alike. Tony White of Tony White Designs, Inc. joins me today to talk about those user groups. I asked him to share with us his experience because he's one of the few folks that tries to attend every online user group. So he lets us know what's happening generally all over the United States. He also shares his thoughts on the bread and butter features in our FileMaker platform. There's a lot that FileMaker can do well, and Tony reminds us of that. Hey, Tony White, welcome to the Context Podcast. How are you today? Uh, awesome, and thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, it's good to good to have you here. I um, figured it was ine- inevitable because, you know, you've been to many dev cons, you, you uh, go to lots of user groups. I see you, you're kind of all around the community as well. So, you know, it, it makes sense for you to be here, right? You and your straw hat. Are you wearing your hat right now? <laughs> I am not, and I don't have a camera on oh. at this moment. Uh, but yeah, no, I've been bouncing around the community. Uh, this has been the year of living virtually. Yeah. Uh, and I've yeah, been attending user groups all over the country and even one in England. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but I want you first to introduce yourself and your hats. <laughs> okay. So uh, I'll keep it simple. Tony White, longtime FileMaker developer. Uh, more than 20 years. I won't say how many more than that because I probably can't count that high. And uh, the story on the hat is that I've been to every single developer conference except for the first one because I didn't hear about it or some reason. And at one point, I think it was San Diego, you know, a lot of sun and I got a hat and it turned out to be useful as a way for people to find me in a crowd or avoid me in a crowd. (laughs) <laughs> their choice. Uh, and so I started to wear it every year and became a bit of a thing. Uh, <laughs> and then it turned to dust and I switched hats. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that's, that's how I remember you. If, if, uh, if I see it down the hallway, I know that I know where you are at. So <laughs> it worked. Yeah. Well, welcome. I'm glad to have you here. I uh, think I've gotten to know you um, virtually as well. We've met in DevCon a few times, of course. And But uh, I think my first exposure to you was your um, infographic on the FMP protocol, which I used extensively when I first wrote the that web viewer integrations library that I put together. Um, I think I remember, I, you know, I had, it, I had it at one point, I had it printed out and stuck on my wall because... I could never get the syntax right, and the infographic was was very helpful. So, well, thank you. That's how I got. And you, you still like doing those, right? You've got quite a few now. How many would you say you have? Um, so th- that was our most popular because uh, I mean it's an awesome feature. And the backstory on that is, I think there I did seven of them. I did one per year. Uh, that once a year we would take one of the infographics we did and just make it really tight so that we could hand it out. Um, You know, I would go to these DevCons and, you know, let me just bring something that people will find useful that we're using. Uh, And every year I try and come up with one. The most popular was the FMP URL protocol. My personal favorite was the FileMaker 14 code objects of ZRD. Um, But I've done seven that have gone public and I've got some more that are going to be released shortly. Um, I've got like 20, 40 of them (laughs) every topic. Uh Okay. Yeah, I remember one you did. I was actually going to do a blog post on it, and then you did it on the offline settings, right? You The things you put on before you, the things you configure before you uh, host your file, because they're all set locally only. Yeah, and I've, we bounced around on the name on that. It's either, <laughs> and I have different files on my hard drive. One of them is called Set Before Hosting, and I, I forget the other names. But yeah, that, that one's pretty popular as well. And there's a blog post out there somewhere where people were, you know, kind of listing them out, crowdsourcing it. Today's episode is brought to you by Otto. When you work in a development environment that involves a dev and production server, you need to deploy the files in a logical and consistent and secure manner. And it's tough to do this manually. Though we as developers have done it for many years, you no longer have to. 
Auto does all the deployment work automatically. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> auto and its accompanying auto migrator file allows you to deploy a feature-rich file to the production environment with a couple clicks of a button. Whether scheduled or on the fly, these migrations happen with small files and even very large files. Auto works this way. It first backs up the production file and then closes it. It clones the developer version and then transfers the dev version to the production server. Then it performs a data migration and finally it opens up the new production file. With Migrator and Auto, you can upload one file to multiple servers at one time. Auto, automatic server to server file migration. So yeah, so so I'm glad to have you on the podcast. You mentioned at the beginning, you know, virtually this has been the year of virtualization and getting to know. But but what I also know about you is that you are pretty active as a part of many user groups, uh, whether you lead or just attend. I believe on your site you have a list of the user groups around across the country too, don't you? I do, and it actually it does good on the search engine if you search FileMaker user groups. Uh, even if you do it incognito, comes up kind of on the first page. I think it even comes up like the first or the second. We did a Google map a while ago. Yeah. Um, you know, Google has kind of put us on freemium where they've got a little bit of a watermark on it, but um, we haven't gone back to redo it. It doesn't really matter because it works. Yeah. 34 user groups, I think. Um, we've had some new ones pop up and we've had some, I think we had two that came, you know, are brand new and two that went away. You know, this turnover. Yep. But the big ones are there. Yeah, I was I was actually just in a recent episode was just talking with Todd about the user groups and how 2020 was definitely the year of <laughs> user groups changing. And, and I'm going to get your perspective on that. But at one point I said, I wish there was a list of user groups that we could just all know about. And, and then it realized after I had finished recording that and published it that you had that list. So <laughs> we'll make sure it gets out there. It'll put it on our show notes and such. I would love to hear just generally your perspective, your thoughts about the um, the FileMaker community's user groups. You know, this year, last year, you can talk about as well if you want, but just generally, what do you, what's your thoughts about the the user group community? I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I live in Brooklyn, so I go physically, um, you know, as of a year ago, we were going to the New York FileMaker Pro user group, you know, in person. That said, uh, gosh, so what are user groups are great. Um, the New York group is actually super friendly to, you know, out of towners and new people. You know, once we get to know you, we, we, we give you a little bit more New York treatment, <laughs> <laughs> but we're very nice and uh, we're very welcoming to uh, beginners, intermediate and expert. The user group, I mean, you could think of them as mini dev cons, I guess, mm -hmm. more intimate, you know, the pause on air kind of fits somewhere in the middle. Yep. This year, I made uh, I made a list, and I, I hope I don't leave anyone out. And by the way, first I got to apologize. When I did the user groups, I only did the United States of America and Canada, so I guess I did North America. I went to a user group in England, went, quote-unquote, went, Brighton, and that was a terrific one. So there are user groups around the world speaking different languages, French, but I just did U.S. Um, mm -hmm. But there are other groups around the world, Australia, Singapore, Anyway, in New York this year, because it's virtual, and I apologize if I left anyone out, Portland, and they record, uh, Seattle, some of the user groups are combining, Western Washington, you can look on Meetup, it's got most of them, some people do stuff outside of Meetup, uh, Dig FM is a big one, That's uh, they meet at the Wedge, or they used to meet at the Wedge, oh, and they record, and they have a YouTube channel, uh, FM Disc, which is LA, they record, they meet during the middle of the day. Doesn't always work for everybody, but they record. Middle of the country, you got Michigan, Milwaukee, and Minnesota. They've been doing some combo meetings. Mm -hmm. You might want to go in person because they're not currently recording. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's been recording. The ones that I go to that are recorded, I usually like tweet it out three days later at Tony White Live, especially if I say something smart. Let's see. Pittsburgh. Chicago's got a big group. They record. Uh, Brighton. They meet tw every two months, a uh, big group, 25 people. Canada, uh, that's a good one. SOFA, I think it's Southern Ontario. Uh, and oh, Miami, I'm looking at the map here. I didn't get to all of them. Mm -hmm. uh, quite a few, right? 
you, yeah. you had time to do it, right? Because of lockdown, because of everything. And because they all went virtual, um, you had time to get to it. Was this the first year that you've been able to go to as many of those? Um, yeah, you- there, I went, I did a presentation in Toronto and I did one in LA and I did one in FM disc. I actually did two for FM disc. So I visited those groups virtually to do a presentation as opposed to attending. A lot of the groups used to be, you know, not virtual, but obviously yeah. that changed for their, for their local constituents. And they're like, you know, they're like, what the heck, you know, we've got a zoom account goes up to a hundred. Why not throw open the doors? Yeah. yeah we're going to talk about the, the changes that happened, but, but I want to know what you think, what in your experience, many years of experience in the community and um, going to a lot of, of these, what is the purpose? What is the place of a FileMaker user group? You mentioned it's intimate. It's it's kind of like a mini DevCon. It's, you know, probably the first on the list between, you know, and then there's pause on error and then DevCon or Claris Engage. But what is the purpose of the, uh, the local uh, user group? I guess for New York, I'm thinking one, like I'll, I'll give you the New York perspective. Um, you know, we, we take turns, people present and often quite generously presenting kind of tips and tricks and things that they've sorted out, you know, kind of taking a turn to share. The after dinner is a lot of fun, you know, cause that's social. There is networking that occurs, you know, people get jobs. So there's that for the New York group. I, I like to think that we, over the years, the different, you know, contributors. I'm one of the people obviously very active in the New York group. You know, someone picks a topic and they drill down and they do the heavy lifting to kind of explain it. I would typically look at the topics that are coming down, you know, that are coming up and I would study so that I could, you know, get my questions ready, make the most out of the expertise that someone is sharing. You know, it's 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 terrific to just meet other people um and you know once a month get out, get away from the desk. Uh, we go, typically we have the meeting. We don't do food at the meeting. We, uh, you know, we go to whatever restaurant everyone agrees to go to. Oh, nice. That's what the New York group does. Okay. Yeah. It's like meat and then, uh, you know, dinner. That part's awesome. You know, we've usually got a couple people with cars, you know, drive around New York City in the fall is awesome. Early spring uh-huh. is awesome. That's, uh, that's what we typically do in New York. Yeah. Okay. What have you seen in other other groups that are maybe a little bit different than your uh, New York group? Well, let's see. Um, LA LA is um, one of the bigger cities, and being California, it's also kind of a got a lot of filemaker action going on there. I think partly because uh, you know California, they got you know people who used to work at filemaker who have um, this seems to be a good market share out there. <laughs> it's funny the, the New York. We haven't had a meeting in a while. Um, we're starting to talk about having a meeting. You know, we've everybody's been uh, quite distracted in the past year. Uh, we are, I'll put it out there, we are planning something. I'm going to be one of, we typically go in New York, three presenters, try and pick different topics, something on, something technical, something visual, something project management, trying to appeal mm-hmm. to different demographics. I would say to people, you know, look at your schedule. If you got time to pop in, if you got time to join a bunch of meetups, most of the user groups are happy to have people join their meetup, bump up their numbers, I like to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if you got time, pop on in. You know, I look at the topic. If it's interesting, you know, what the heck? You know, if it's something that I haven't heard of or something that, you know, is worth going over again, I'll, I'll pop in there. So the community, the FileMaker community groups are meant to socialize with other FileMaker developers in your area. Um, this was definitely true before COVID, before we all went virtual. It was also a place to share. Was was it always experts sharing or did you have you seen in your experience, you know, people that are like just learning something and, and showing showing something or is it more of a show and tell kind of thing? In your experience, what what has been the, the majority of the presentations that are shown? Um, you know, that's a really good question because one of the best, most popular presentations, you know, real crowd pleaser is when someone who is not an expert, uh, and let's just say intermediate, you know, somewhere uh-huh. in, somewhere close to intermediate, calls up and says, I built a system and I want to get feedback. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, the, the regular, you know, the, so any given meeting, let's say that we have 20 people at a meeting, you know, 
and let's just say we're going to have 21 people make the math easy. We'll have seven beginners, seven intermediate, and seven experts, right? The experts love to look at code and and really have a ton of fun. So if a person shows up and like is willing to put their system up on the big screen and you know get get feedback about how they wrote their script or their calculation, that's a crowd pleaser. That said, if someone's done something super clever with uh, you know integrated with some late breaking feature, you know, OAuth, uh, no, what, are the, what do we see? The OData thing, for instance, you know, mm-hmm. like a really high-end thing. That's also popular. You know, we're pretty, we're pretty easy going in terms of, um, you know, if someone's got a blurb and an idea. The other thing that we do for the, our New York meetings, and I think other groups do this, is we'll do a lot of meetings with three topics because it kind of, we try and have something for everybody, like I say, mm-hmm. you know. And if one is a little, we also try and squeeze people down a little bit to kind of, you know, TED Talk it. It's like, give us your A game in half an hour. Yeah, if someone's got code they want to show, that's usually super popular because everybody's got an opinion on that. Same thing with (laughs) interface for that matter. Yeah, that that certainly takes some guts to get up there and do it, especially (laughs) mid-development. And I applaud the people who, who do that. I don't think I've done that. But that I have seen that too. I was part of the Denver FileMaker user group for a couple of years and we would uh, have a section in that. We had someone show something that they've sort of mastered that they've that they've worked through all the problems so that they can point that out. But one thing we also did is we uh, had um, we had kind of a workshop base going on. And I, I'm interested in your thoughts on that. I don't think I've ever talked to you about it, but rather than someone like showing off like the newest JavaScript stuff or something, they they would actually work through it with the attendees, um, and you know, and, and we would build something together. Um, and, and that came from my teacher background, right, where mm-hmm. I wanted to you know impart some knowledge. Because a show, a show and tell to me is very valuable, but you know, unless you've been able to experience it yourself, you may lose the the flow of it and be like, what did I just see? Even if it's recorded, right? It may be more difficult because you're not seeing under the hood. What do you think about that a, a workshop style for user groups? I think there's a time, well, the, the logistics for us would be challenging. Um, in New York, we've been meeting and, you know, we're beginning to talk about meeting physical space again. We meet uh, most recently at, uh, in a conference room at, um, let me pronounce it right, uh, the Rockefeller Research Lab Sloan Kettering Institute. It's a uh, Manhattan Upper East Side. So you know they've got good gear, but they don't have individual computers. Uh, so mostly you've okay. got some people with laptops. The closest we've come to like a workshop is Albert Haram Alvarez. I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, you know, came went to town and he led us through sort of an experiential presentation talking about user interface nouns and nouns versus verbs. Yeah, that's we've never been in a situation where everybody had a laptop and like a, you know, a coding challenge or anything like that. Um, yeah, that's a good point. I guess when you're in person, there may have been issues. I, I recall we were in the Denver user group. We were in um, in a Perkins and it was really tight and, you know, it wasn't very much fun, but we, we tried to make it work and and so forth. So it's an interesting idea, and I, I wonder, you know, now that things are virtual, if that could be more realistic, um, if it would be more useful. In terms of workshops, the closest that I've seen different user groups get, and I'm going to cherry pick different things that different user groups do in their kind of template for a meeting. Okay. Mm-hmm. We um, we have one group that just they pause the mic and say, you know, who's got show and tell, and then you know sometimes there's a pause before, well, you know. I got something. And then they'll flip the Zoom around or the WebEx or the what, go to meeting, whatever the heck they're using. So there's that. We definitely have as a popular, I think pretty much every meeting is always happy to field the question that someone might have about something that they're struggling with since yeah. the previous month. And I would say that there's this, this one group does, uh, I'll call it uh, tips tricks and traps the kind of you know the potholes that you want to avoid to you know work work arounds and stuff if they come up but what else do we have yeah that's about it okay so the year 2020 everything dramatically shift shifted 
we all had to go into lockdown and, and user groups became virtual. In your, since you've been to many of them, how did that, you know, how did that change the user group? Did it, did it, does virtual make FileMaker user groups better? Is there something lost in the translation? What, what are your thoughts about how we are doing uh, user groups now? Well, I think it's good news and bad news. The uh, the good news is that, well, most of the user group, I don't want to speak for other user groups, but I'm pretty sure most of the user groups would be happy to have people come drop in as guests. You know, I was trying to remember that I'm in somebody else's group and just be respectful of whatever dynamic they have. So I think people are happy to have people drop by. So I would encourage people to do that. I think it's good for the community. You know, the downside I would say is that my experience in New York is, you know, half the fun is going out later when, you know, you might have 16 people come to a meeting in New York, a lot of competition for people's attention in New York. So let's say you have 16 people come out, eight people go to dinner. It's a pretty good number for dinner. And then you can, you know, you're walking around, You someone can, you know, two people can talk offline and have a private conversation. Hey, what do you think about this and that? Or, hey, I'm looking for work you know, off the record, what do you think of, let me show you something off the record. Maybe someone doesn't want to show their code to the whole room, but they want to get a little private opinion. So th- we lose that for now. Yeah. It'll come yeah. back. Good news and bad news. Todd was saying this pretty much the same thing. It's it's fun to be virtual, but you really miss the community. And it's, it's, it's hard to be as communicable in uh, virtually when you're at your own desk with your own drink, you know, sure. in hand. And you can't, like you said, um, talk with somebody one-on-one and get their thoughts and opinions. You know, you can't, you can't just hang out with people. I think that's, that's definitely a drawback for sure. Yeah. Um, But like you, I think you mentioned this at the beginning, the the biggest advantage is that people from all over can attend and be a part of a community. I've, I've attended some user groups that I, I never had attended before because, you know, in person versus virtual now, and I wonder if that you know helped out a lot of user groups. You know, uh, when when you have three or four people actually showing up in person, maybe you have ten or twelve people virtually. That that's a definitely a good thing. Uh, absolutely. And um, you know, I'm in New York, and the, you know, the New York group has been around much longer than I've been around the New York group. Um, I missed a lot of the early meetings. I was doing a big project that was kind of way out in the boondocks. And by the time I was done, the meeting was over. But then I started to go to meetings and I'm like, wow, this is fun. And I'm learning stuff. But the groups that are in, you know, not in the big cities, they just have a harder time getting numbers. So for them, it's a good thing. And we've seen a number of groups, you know, do joint meetings and also, um, you know, I don't I don't want to pick on any group for being a small city. There's nothing wrong with I kind of wish I lived in a small city. But yeah, just to get numbers from around the country and around the world. We had a guy from Australia in one of the meetings. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's the good news. That's 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 really good. I, I'm, I'm encouraged by that. And I actually, you know, as things progress even further into 2021 here, I think it's it, it would be good to encourage the community to attend these virtual events. Um, Absolutely. To be be part of the community in Kentucky or in, you know, the upper Midwest or wherever to get to know different people, to hear different thoughts, because what's happening in Minnesota or Michigan or wherever is pretty awesome. And and people in California may never know that because they could never attend in person and now they can attend virtually. So I think Tony, you and me need to to do something about that. Uh, <laughs> well, I would uh, I would echo what you're saying, and what I would say, and I said it before, I say it again. It worth repeating is like, well, I can speak for the New York group, the meetup. I would invite everyone listening to your podcast to join the nyfmp.org, the meetup group. You know, FileMaker is obviously a vibrant community. That said, you know, the more numbers on a meetup group, if somebody kind of looks and say, oh, should I go to this meeting? I'm like, you know, is there is there action over here with this platform? Obviously, yes, there is. A lot of people are going to look at the numbers and the bigger the numbers they see. So I joined every meetup in, in, in the United States of America. Wow. And I think it just bumps up numbers. So what's the downside? You get an email once a month and it tells you what people going on. You don't want to, you know, just read it. It's interesting. Go to the meeting. If it's not interesting, delete yeah. it. You know, it's just, it's just electrons. 
Um, so I would encourage everyone to join lots of meetings. Most meetings, most most groups, I think, are happy to get members from wherever. So I would I would encourage that. Uh, it would yeah. really save some of the groups too, right? Because like you said, a few people that show up kind of disheartens the leaders of the group. But when when it was all in person, I know for me at Denver, it was discouraging sometimes to only get three or four or five people. Um, but with virtual, we can really see the numbers boost. We can see, feel our confidence boost. And for the speaker, you know, they're, they're donating their time. Yep. They have more people to talk with and more ears and more people to get feedback from. So yeah, that's a really good thing. I think, uh, in this beginning part of this year, you and I should, uh, really uh, push the user groups and, and remind people of what's coming up. So I will expect to see that from you, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's fun. I mean, I would encourage everyone to get on this. I'm actually a little bit surprised to not see. I mean, there's some people who we, we joke with each other with like you again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, these are, I keep on, if I think I'm going to learn something or have fun, I will do that. Uh, let's see. I went to, who did I leave out? Uh, I went to Central Ohio FileMaker User Group, and there were only there weren't a huge number of people. But Mike Berge, a little shout out there, Mike uh, did an interesting presentation on how to build a audio player. I think it was an audio video player uh, using you know the features are there, and he he did some live coding. He records his meeting. I was kind of hoping he'd recorded that one. Hint, Mike, good presentation, awesome presentation. If you get a chance to drop that out there, please do. Uh, and then, you know, what I can do is, I mean, I got the map up there, and then I, you know, I, I drop something on my, you know, I have mostly found micro followers on Twitter, Tony White Live. So I'll, I'll tweet things out. Like when the recording drops, I'll typically tweet it out, you know, doing my little part to help uh, build the community in that it regards meetings and stuff like that. So, yeah, well, let's, let's, let's uh, switch gears a little bit. What in, in user groups at New York and the places that you have um, attended, what do they, what kind of presentations do they typically look for? You know, one of the hats that I wear for the New York FileMaker per user group for a number of years is um, in kind of vetting presentations and we're pretty easy. It ain't, you know, we're, we're, we're much easier to, to get a spot on the, on the agenda than, you know, a DevCon presentation. Uh, we do require kind of a sentence. We're, we're actually pretty easy going. Um, a typical meeting, we, we really do try and get two or three things because we have like programmer, people who are like, you know, very code focused, but we got, a, you know, people who are project managers. It's a different, I mean, I, we do have people who like do it all, but, uh, you know, I got a buddy of mine who I always want to see him at a meeting. He's fun to hang out with and he's a project manager. So code is like, nah, not for me. But uh, so a project management topic, we do try and mix it up is like one of the rules. Like if, if we're doing like, ooh, hardcore calcs, you know, recursive calcs, we're not necessarily going to pair it up with like in incredibly complicated scripting because that's like code plus code. We lose the project manager attendance and we lose the mix. Yeah. Uh, uh, we've over the years, we've we've done reviews. Somebody goes to pause and error. We'll get a review on that. You know, who went to DevCon? Come on back and tell us what you saw. Those are some of the topics that we have done. Oh, and I will say this, that the New York FileMaker Pro user group, we've got a, it's nyfmp.org. We do have a pretty decent back catalog of presentations that we've covered. Like if someone was starting a new user group in, oh gosh, I don't know, pick a city and they wanted, and they had a lot of energy and stuff, they could, another reason to sign up to the meetups. Look what the other groups are presenting on talking about. There's your ideas yeah. right there. So really anybody who's working in FileMaker or FileMaker adjacent could be a part of a user group. You mentioned vetting. Is it fairly, you know, you, 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 you welcome any and all submissions and, and you're looking for stuff that'll be interesting to the, the widest range of people. What does it, what, what, what topics you mentioned some popular ones, what other topics are really in these days and really part of the community conscious and, and thus popular at the user groups. One popular topic I would say is a, in general, a topic that hasn't been covered is popular, <laughs> okay. um, which sounds, you know, ironic, but it's true. It's like if, if something's been covered really, really well, I personally will try really hard not to cover, you know, cause it's just redundant. 
you know, I, I will try and fill gaps. And I, you know, I could, I could pick, well, here, I'll pick one right here. It's a uh, Jason. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, you covered that really well. So what am I going to do the same thing? No, I, I'll try and find something, you know, fill, fill the gaps. Cause one of the things that I think I've been to a lot, you know, I go to the meetings and I'm like, there's all these awesome features. And if I can find some, mm-hmm. you know, feature that hasn't really gotten the love that it should, I'll, that's yep. what I'll do. Yep. And then, you know, I'll back, uh, let me think, uh, when we have a meeting, I'm looking at some of our past meetings, you know, obviously the new features. So once again, one of the things that I personally believe philosophically is that the FileMaker platform, uh, all right, so FileMaker ships a new feature and it's version 19, right? And there's always a lot of talk about what came out in the past year or two. And I think that that's great. And I also think that with all the excitement of what came out recently, I and I've said this to a lot of people, what about the features that ship version, you know, 1 <laughs> to, to 16? Because I, I do think that when somebody walks into the FileMaker platform from the outside, in addition to telling them about, uh, you know, the FileMaker Data API, which might actually kind of scare them, Maybe we should tell them about conditional formatting, script yeah. triggers, button bars, popovers. You know, actually, I'm going to go to my FileMaker code objects as here to remind myself because I can't even keep track of how many features this platform has. I that's think. a good, yeah, that's interesting. Well, I want to get to that. I want to get to that list in a little bit. So, one thing that I had heard in the community was that uh, I think I heard this from Clarice themselves is that. Um, you know, a user group is a great place for people to either practice presentations for Claris Engage or to um, actually have an opportunity to speak about something if you're not selected to be part of Claris Engage. It's really, the user groups can be a very, a very open and a very, it's, there's many, you said there's 34 user groups. So there's plenty of opportunity for people out there to speak on whatever they want. Yeah. And yeah. practice and get, practice. you know, a lot of people do that. They do a user group. They do, you know, one or more presentations to user groups prior to, you know, going up on DevCon. Um, yeah. And for me, it's not, <laughs> for me, it's not really all about because I didn't get selected to DevCon, I'm going to go speak. The user groups in the Claris FileMaker community provide everybody in this community the chance to speak and to be part of the community and share their ideas. Um, yep. Maybe a beginner in FileMaker, you know, well, it's an interesting thought, you know, having a, having a, I don't know, I don't know what user groups would think about that, but it's an interesting thought to have a, a beginner come up there and talk about her journey into the FileMaker platform uh, where she's at, what she's learning, what she's stumbling over, and just kind of remind us folks who have been in this platform for a while, hey, this is how people start. You know, that actually might be an interesting topic sometime is just to have someone do a, a review of how they're getting into the platform um, for us so we can remember. You know, that the whole expert bias. Um, yeah. Maybe we're just not seeing or blindness. Maybe we're just not seeing something that we should see. So I guess my point is user groups can be a, a place for everybody to speak. And uh, do you, I mean, is it in your experience and talking with other leaders, is it sometimes tough to find speakers or is there, do you have a, too many? Is there an overabundance of speakers? Um, you know, when it was just local, uh, it even in New York, I would say, you know, which is a big, you know, we got 8 million people here or something like that. The uh, Even in New York, it was challenging to maintain the pace that we were running at, um, yeah. which was basically 10 meetings a year. Skip one for DevCon month because, you know, that's a, too much. And then obviously, uh, well, not obviously, but we'd skip one for the holidays because, you know, people in December are frequently pretty, pretty uh, socialed out. Um, but anyway, 10 meetings a year. But we did manage to do that pace, even though it was it was it was difficult. 
you know, even in New York. So I can't even imagine how difficult that would be to do in a city with less than 8 million people. Did the virtual setting change it? Did it make it easier to find speakers? I, I look at the back catalog of meetings that we've had, um, and I wasn't always involved as meeting organizer, I guess. That's my hat is like, you know, talking to people. I will tell you that, you know, New York has been, everybody in New York has been pretty darn distracted recently. Uh, in the past year, let's say. And, you know, priorities have shifted and attentions have shifted and stuff like that. Uh, I will say that we do have an awesome meeting planned. I've been, you know, talk, I've been getting phone calls from other people in the New York group saying, hey, when are we going to have another meeting? And I say, when, are, when am I going to get a blurb from you? <laughs> uh, what I what I do as organizers, I've got a FileMaker, a little shout out, FileMaker Correspondence Generation System with a number of emails queued up, somebody says, I want to present. I go click, click, click. And they get an email. It's like a page and a half long that's saying, you know, hey, we'd love to have you present. You know, we need a blurb. Write me two sentences, three sentences. You know what I mean? Do, you know, yeah. we're not that easy. Um, we need something. Um, <laughs> Can't just show up. You, can... <laughs> you know, we set the bar pretty low, but it ain't on the ground. Um, <laughs> so we do that. And... Um, Oh, and I do, we do have a little bit of a thing when we get presenters and like, to your point, you know, some of the people that we have are not, you know, seasoned presenters. And so we will provide a modicum of coaching while still being nice to everybody, you know, and say like, you know, if you're going to do a presentation on some highly technical topic that someone's going to have to kind of concentrate, scrunch their brains, maybe get a headache, start off by telling them why they might care. <laughs> you know, why do I care? You know, why should I pay attention to this topic that's going to like uh, make me think? Try and keep people <laughs> to time. You know, sometimes people kind of like, you give them half an hour and they're like, don't want to stop. But we're like, yep, we got something probably. behind you. So other than, other than a, um, a blurb and, and that, how, how do people prepare for, for a, a presentation? You mentioned starting off by saying why you care about this or why the, the audience should care about this. What are some other things people can do to prepare for presenting at a, at a user group? Yeah, it's a good question. We, we see people kind of spanning the gamut, whatever the heck it is. We, 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 it comes in all flavors, right? Everything as far as someone who will do a presentation with a complete slideshow, yeah. And, you know, printed copies available for download later, um, maybe with a sample file. You know, that would be, I guess, the gold standard there. You know, on the other hand, someone might just have a system that they put up on the screen where they're showing code and there's no sample file because they're showing code that's within some monolithic thing that would be impossible to, you know, or very labor intensive to turn into a sample file. And in terms of preparing, I you know, time allowing, I would always look at the topic ahead of time. You know, it helps that I would hear about it ahead of time, but there's always lead time before the meeting. And I would, uh, you know, I'd go out there and do a little research because I got someone up there, you know, who's, who's dug deep. I'm going to get, I got an expert giving me free consultant advice. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to make good use of it by, if I can, if I've got time, I'll do a little homework and, and try and have good questions both for myself and for the meeting. Um, so I would say every, you know, you can prepare to present and you can prepare to attend. Let me think what else should people do? You know, we do, try, you know, I think it works better when people keep it tight every now and then, you know, obviously when Ronnie Rios presents, we give him the full meeting for, you know, when a new version drops back when new versions came out all at once. But, you know, beyond that, we, we try and have two or three people, um, and, and kind of squeeze them down on time usually. Are mistakes allowed <laughs> during presentations like this? Um, yeah. The, uh, well, they, they do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they happen. Um, oh, you know what? I will say one of the things, I, I, I have to say it. Somebody calls up and they say, we want to present the New York group. I, I do say you, you might want to consider bringing your A game. Okay. Because New Yorkers are some, you know, really nice people, actually. They are not, it is, you know, it is a bit of a tough town and it is not the place where people will just, you know, if you have like some grand theory about um, how some FileMaker feature should be implemented and you're absolutely convinced that your way is the only way, you know, be prepared that there might be someone in the audience who politely w would mention that there's another way to be considered. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> and it could start off polite. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, I, you know, I've been roughed up in the New York group at least once that I recall. You know, not not justifiably, but still, they know me. Yeah. So we all get different treatment. So you need to be prepared to, you know, bring your A game for sure. Bring your A game, but also, you know, listen to suggestions, listen to ideas, yeah. listen to other ways. I think. On the other hand, I think audiences could also, you know, let let someone talk and and let them present what they have to say, even if, you know, even if they haven't figured out the the best, fastest way, whatever, they're still there presenting something, right? So we're very nice to new people. We're very nice to out of towners. Anybody shows up for the first time, we're super nice and super polite. (laughs) Uh, And even if someone... I, you know, one time we had, you know, someone in the audience was being rude to a speaker. Mm. Bad strategy. Didn't, yeah. You know, I, I, I would be more than happy to uh, jump in and, you know, I, I would jump in on that and make sure that, no, we're nice to nice people. But, you know, if someone's on a high horse, you know, we might help them get off the horse. And yeah. Help, help them successfully dismount. And, you know, I like to joke and they're not entirely this is actually a joke. Don't take this completely seriously. It's like the New York group, we get together, all the regulars, we insult each other's code. <laughs> then we go out to dinner and buy each other, you know, appetizers. Sounds like a fun group, man. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really is. And like I said, we are incredibly nice to new people. I'm always like, hey, we got a, we got someone new, never been here before. We got someone from out of town. Mm-hmm. that to me is exciting because you know new yeah. york you know we've got a lot of airports a lot of people pass through new york and we love that but you know i will tell you speaker calls up i'm going to present i say like you know and i'll even say like listen i know this group they're going to ask you this question yeah be have an answer ready because you know if it's a topic i know about you will be guaranteed to ask why why did you do this and sometimes i'll look at the presentation and i'll be like you know just you know, we want everyone to succeed for sure. Right. And we want the group to succeed. We want the individual who's presenting to succeed. And we also want the group to succeed. If someone comes in with like a really bad idea, there'll, there'll be a healthy discussion. It's a healthy discussion. Yep. And I mean, that's just good. You know, it's like, oh, you should totally, I'm trying to think of something that's incredibly non-controversial. You should use Microsoft Access. That will not go well in our group. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, good. Well, you know, I, I, I'm glad you were able to talk to us about user groups because I think that the FileMaker community user groups are another place to expand the community, to talk, to commune, to share ideas and thoughts, uh, to get to know one another. And we can now do it virtually. And I hope that even after things settle down, if if it ever does, that there will be some component of, of virtual um, user groups. You mentioned New York is is thinking about going back to to uh, in person. Are you going to still do some virtual? Allow people from all over to join? Yeah, it's actually uh, the plan that I have in mind. You know, and I get exactly one vote within the use within the New York FileMaker Pro user group. I get kind of like one vote. It's really sort of you know we all wrangle about. We have different opinions. The uh, uh-huh. what I would imagine that we would be doing, which is similar to what some other groups are doing, is um, probably have a meet and greet that's not recorded. Probably have presentations that are recorded, uh, and make it optional to the presenter. I mean, if somebody doesn't want the presentation to be, you know, and they have something that they want to show, kind of like in there in like stealth mode on their new product or something. Uh, we, we, we'll do that. We respect the presenter because they're the ones bringing the topic. Um, but, you know, say meet and greet, social, not recorded, you know, good chance to have a little off the record conversation, presentations recorded, and then sort of after, you know, another uh, turn off the recording so that people can, you know, once again, you know, be off the record for, you know, healthy reasons uh, and then go out to dinner. Uh, and then, you know, I wear a wire for that. So. Uh, okay, that's, that's good. Well, good. Well, again, user groups are another way we need to um, promote those and, and get those out there more for for the user groups so that we can all attend all of the different ones, see each other and just learn from different parts of the country and experience the New York user group because I hear they're pretty rowdy. <laughs> yeah, and I'm yeah. really uh, 
we have to work out the logistics and coordinate with uh, the other people who are active in organizing that group. Um, and at some point, I don't know, February, March, we're going to, and I plan to do, uh, I plan, well, I'm expecting, uh, I'll, I'll probably do one of the presentations if they let me. And um, I, I want to get like two other people, uh, you know, a game type presentations. And so I would encourage people to join our meetup and uh, you'll get an announcement. Um, but yeah, I want to do at least one virtual. We've never ever done a virtual meeting, you know, partly because of, you know, they're pretty rough and tumble meetings, as I mentioned. Yeah. Um, but I can imagine that the users, you know, as long as we have a portion of the meeting where people can, um, you know, go off the record to kind of thrash out an issue, I, I, I can't imagine, I mean, I'll record mine. I don't care what the others do. Uh, but I think people would be happy to be recorded for portions. And I would like very much to do that because I've been benefiting from, uh, people recording, and also people not recording meetings all over. And uh, cool. I'm up for doing a recording meeting in New York. Anybody listening, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Well, good. Well, I wanted to talk to you about another topic. You mentioned this before. Um, you know me. I'm kind of always interested in the latest and greatest things. That's <laughs> what my job is here. And we are getting a lot more, um, you know, we're getting a lot more features, a lot more updates every year. But you mentioned, you know, the bread and butter stuff, the the basic stuff of FileMaker that's been around forever. Um, do you do you see why is this topic in your head? Why are you why did you uh, why are you thinking about that as as great user group uh, content? Um, so that's a good that's a good question. Why is this in my head? Um, like I said earlier, I've been doing the I've been building systems for you know twenty plus years, so I do have a lot of long term clients. Many of those systems are built out, and so for those particular clients, and you know we have new systems where people are jumping in, coming over from other uh, platforms and stuff like that. So for the but for those clients that are like mostly built out, uh, I see it as one of my jobs to to look at the new features that come out. You know, card windows in sixteen. Um, I mean, I could list them all, but you know what they are. And uh, and just make people aware. There was, here, here's what, here's a good starting point on this. So I'm working with a client, 15 years, pair programming, really talented person, wearing a lot of hats, in-house developer. But, you know, that's like 25% of what this person does is FileMaker, right? The other is like, you know, meetings and project management. But honestly, really talented developer, in my opinion. So one day I was my, I was in their pair program screen share, and I just did a constrained find, right? And this person said, oh, my gosh, that's awesome. What is that you just did? <laughs> okay. So for me, a light bulb goes off. And uh, let, me, let me back up a second because bread and butter. All right. I'm not going to list them all, but I, I think you and I both agree that uh, finding is a bread and butter feature. I don't know about you, but I haven't got a single system out there that ain't using finding as a feature. Okay. So yep. then I thought, well, how is this person who's doing the FileMaker development for 10 years doesn't know about the finding? So I thought, oh, because it's behind a menu. And there's a lot of menus. So I, I, I was at that point in time, I was kind of backfilling, if you will, because, you know, we do use... FileMaker Data API and FileMaker going this and that. You know, we're 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 in the thick of it with all the new stuff. Um, not all of it, actually, to be honest. There's so much. The um, but I thought, what can I? You know, these are that's a bread and butter feature that I could expose. And so I over the weekend or something, I built a little widget. I said, okay, let me just sit down when the phones aren't ringing. It's quiet, and let me wrap my head around finding. And if I was going to build a user interface to expose what's possible, what would I do? And I said, well, all right, obviously I have to take the constrain and the extend and expose them on a layout. I don't have to, but it's like, why don't I try this and see if this resonates with clients? Because I have like a, you know, quite a few clients from over the years, active projects even. And so what I would do is I would take a feature and, you know, I build a user interface at first, number one, pick a use case, two, pick a user interface, three, write some code that I'm not embarrassed by. 
and then uh, four, figure out a way to kind of get the code into the system fast. So I built myself a little widget, a panel, to expose the finding functionality uh, and and bring it from the, behind the menus so that it fits on a layout, assuming I got room to fit on a layout. Some of my layouts are pretty busy. So that was like a bread and butter feature. And that's one of many. And, and what made me happy about this is actually it made a particular client happy. And I would do these for different things, for finding and sorting, different topic we'll get to because I got a really good story on sorting. And by my thinking was that the more bread and butter features that I can expose to a client that might, because they're so bread and butter, finding, sorting, printing, text formatting is a big one for me. The more of those features that exist in the platform I can expose to a client saying, hey, check it out. I built this. I can get it into your system really fast. You might like it. You might not. If you like it, it didn't cost you much and it makes you happy with the platform. So I was basically just working the bread, you know, I call it working the platform, working the platform uh, and working the platform in the, you know, I just call them bread and butter features, uh, finding, sorting. I mean, we all sort list views, sorting. Who doesn't do that? So what you're saying is you, you see that there might be a lack of the basic features um, in our memory or we may be unaware of them, especially people coming into FileMaker new because they're coming in after those things have been established and they're seeing all the new features, the JavaScript, the OData, the um, JSON, all that stuff that makes our apps like exciting and, you know, reachable yeah. to other services and such. Yeah, I would say that. I mean, it's it's not a question. I'm not saying this or that. Yeah, I'm saying this and that. And, you know, if anyone's I'm, and I hope people from FileMaker listen to your podcast. So hello, friends at FileMaker, Claris International, excuse me, got to catch up. The uh, what I would say is the new feature presentations are absolutely awesome. And mm-hmm. I would just say, in my opinion, I'll say it out loud. I'm being recorded. Every single DevCon <laughs> should have one or two presentations that uh, are, are tour de force of the platform mm. in, you know, like popovers still exist button bars button glyphs uh you know all of it uh and and i you know just fill it in i mean celebrate the entire history of the platform because you're guaranteed you know and do the other stuff too do it both that's a good point i think you know my my tendency is to look at the new stuff and and use that and um there's there's stuff that has been in the platform for years that I've never used or I have quote a little bit forgotten how to use. So your idea of doing refreshers at DevCon or um, at user groups is that's an interesting one and and it it spurns me to think about what are those features that I've have kind of ignored. What do I know about popovers? Um, you know. As much time as I've spent with the execute data API script step, maybe I should spend that much time with with popovers again and remind myself what they're there for. Well, and here, here's something that I'm going to do as to you know pay my debt to society, which is actually pretty well paid up. I, I at some point at one of the presentation, one of the user groups coming up, I, I am going to be releasing some. I'm going to do a presentation somewhere. Stay tuned. Sign up to every user group. I don't know which one it's going to be where I'm going to take some of the documentation that we did. We we have one that's pretty spiffy looking. We have some pretty scruffy one-pagers, you know, that I would not be comfortable releasing. Um, the stuff that we do every year is pretty pretty crisp. But I got one that's on popovers specifically that I am going to, I expect, going to be presenting. It's going to be one of the documentation uh infographics that I'm going to incorporate in a presentation where I expect to do somewhere between 10 and 20 infographics that mm-hmm. drill down into different aspects of the FileMaker platform, mostly bread and butter, although we do have one on uh, digital certificates that I plan to release for the presentation. And why am I telling about this? The, 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 the idea with a popover is one of the things we've done with all the objects, popovers, slide controls, web viewers, portals, and on and on is a one pager where we drill deep, deep, deep into that thing to try and make it, you know, wrap our heads around, you know, how to format it, how it works, how to get the most out of it. Uh, and that's, you know, uh, this is, you're doing what you're doing. And I've said it from the, from the first year you did your J- JavaScript thing, I was like, go, 
you know, I thought that was awesome. I, not just thought, but think both past and present. That's awesome because it really builds the market. And like I said before, I'm not going to cover that same territory. It's covered. You got it covered. Uh, you know, and other people doing awesome stuff too. Yeah. Bread and butter features. Um, okay. I, I get that. And you know, there's room for that. I do see videos and blog posts bringing those things up once in a while, you know, and Todd kind of spurns, uh, kind of reminds me that there's more to FileMaker than JavaScript. So <laughs> I can, I need to, I <laughs> should get on there and, and talk about some other things in, in FileMaker. And, and I think I have a little bit, but you're right. It, it could be, it could be uh, dealt with more. I think, you know, at this point, the fine mechanism or the popovers or even button bars, they're so well grained into our, into our collective conscious that someone should just t- distill it all down to the 10 things that I need to know about this. And let me look at that because there's a lot of cruft that's come around from, from those different things. And that's all fallen to the wayside. The, the core concepts of these bread and butter features remain true. And they've, 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 they've risen to the top. Those are the things we should really take a look at. You know, there's a, a service called Blinklist that summarizes books and gives you a very shortened version. It's even shorter than Cliff Notes. We need a Blinklist for the feature, the bread and butter features of FileMaker. You know, it's funny because it does, there's so many features, it, it does kind of take a division of labor. Many hands make light work. Uh, and I think that sorts itself out to a certain extent, you know, different people tackling different things. One thing that's interesting, uh, and, it, and it goes to something that you and I were communicating about, you know, prior to this call is um, sorting. And I want to throw this out there because it kind of came up at the meeting I was at earlier this week. And and I think it's a good example that makes a bunch of points. So we think of sorting. Prior to FileMaker 12, we had one way of sorting, uh, which was the sort record script step. And, And that was great, you know, and I used it in every system. And then in FileMaker 12, we picked up another thing, sort records by field. And somebody did a blog post a while ago. And then on community, like a week ago or two weeks ago, somebody showed up with a, a sample file where they're using the sort records by field to do an implementation of sorting in a list view. So, And I consider sorting in a list view bread and butter. And I was like, my ears perked up because I'd done one of those. Um, and I, you know, I, ha- I have an implementation for that that I'm pretty happy with. And I looked at his and it was like, oh, he's, you know, similar. And so it was cool. And he was like, here, everybody, here's a sample file for free. You know, like code sharing in the FileMaker community. It's a good thing. And I, I looked, uh, let me see how I can make it a point. The uh, Oh, I, I probably demonstrate this at a meeting upcoming. It was like one of the topics because I'm pretty, I like the script that I wrote. Uh, and one thing that was, he's basically, it's a, I'll say it slowly because it's technical and we're not on a screen share. You click a button, it goes to a field, the field's got an object name and it sorts records by field. And that script step, which I hadn't, to be honest, I hadn't been using it that much. is like, oh, wait a second. If I use this script step and I sort by one field, I can see the field, the code visibility's up. Or if I, if I have a button and a field on a layout, I'm, I'm sorting. I don't even need a script. I can have one generic script. I put it, I put that out there as like, even someone like myself, who's been at it a while can like, by revisiting a feature that I was doing in a particular way, which I still do because it covers like half the use cases, you know, this, this process of revisiting something that you've done for, you know, X number of years and like saying, let me look at this again and see if I can do it better. Yeah. That's, That's what I mean. It's, it's just, you know, revisiting and to this guy's, you know, I, I don't put out everything we do. I don't have enough hours in the day. I, I put out a fair bit of what we do. You know, you know, it takes time. Um, but anyway, I thought that was like so cool because I switched over to, I, I refactored a lot of code. If I'm sorting a field in a list view and that field is local to that table, I'll refactor to using that method because it's just better. Um, and I, I don't know, I'll have to, I'll have to do something on that. Uh, I'll have to put that out in a more visual fashion. 
Um, but I just wanted to kind of put it on the radar for this conversation. So what you're saying is even people with lots of experience using these features can look back at those features and maybe see them with fresh eyes and maybe learn something new about them or yeah. use them in a different way or, or so forth. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, okay. I did what I did and it wasn't bad. It perfectly, you know, it's not horrible code. I just got tired of doing a sort where I had to do a layout object with a parameter and then go to a script and add the stuff there. And in some cases, I'm able to just add a sort to a field without even touching a script yeah. because it's a black box that um, it's just layout work. I, I work in the layout zone and I don't even have to go into the script zone. So, you know, that kind of thing. And I don't know if you went to, and I'll, I'll you know, say to FileMaker all your the everybody at FileMaker listening is that would that be a DevCon presentation? Martha Zink one year did one. Shout out to Martha. She did one presentation that was like the prototype of like the tour de force of the platform because I was counting and she was like, okay, and we're using a tooltip here, conditional formatting here, a button here, a script here, a script trigger here. You know what I mean? It's like she had one of everything. Mm-hmm. And we do that with clients. We try and use every feature once because who knows what they're going to like. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, it's good to hear that. In this podcast, we've talked a lot about the new features and everything on the horizon and, and, you know, connecting to different services. But it's good to take a step back and remember those features. Remember our history. Remember from where we came. Right. Yeah. And updated and updated from the new for the new versions. Like if you did zebra striping prior to 13, dust it off because it's built into the platform native. You know, every now and then there's like, there's these things that like FileMaker will slip in another feature while you're not looking. There's like a little feature while they're shipping a big feature and you're like, yeah. you miss it. And you're like, wait a second, I can refactor my zebra striping. Uh, that I did cover visually in, in one of the DigFM presents, you know, constantly, re- well, not constantly, but, you know, looking for times when you should refactor code to make it better. And don't forget about that, those features from which we came. So that's good. I think so. I mean, it's like, you know, I'll, I'll say 80 to 90% of any given system is going to be bread and butter features, you know, sorting, finding, navigating, printing. Well, that's good, uh, Tony. I'm glad you uh, were able to remind us of that because, yeah, I, I like that idea of having a um, at least one or two sessions at, at Engage about some of the old stuff, a fresh look at the old stuff or something like that. Yep. Yeah, it would um, be, it would help onboard the new people who missed I mean, yes. the presentations that are recorded cover only the past, I mean, I shouldn't say only, but cover the past three or four years, you know, and, and there was a lot, all that history, you know, you went on board a new mm-hmm. person. Um, but yeah, that's what I would lobby for. Uh, cool. Great idea. Great idea. Well, Tony, this is good. I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of good, good thoughts. I'm glad you were able to come on and talk, talk to us about this, um, about the user groups. I think of, of anybody in the community that I know, you have the most contact with all of the different user groups. So, um, but I want to I want to encourage people to to do that more and to get a hold of. It was funny while you were talking earlier, I got a notification on my on my phone about a user group next week, and I'm like, "Yep, I'll I'll join, I'll, I'll, or I'll uh, I'll go to it um, because I don't know what the agenda is yet, but I'm gonna I'm gonna support them out. So um, that'll be good." So thank you for your time. Um, before we go, can you you want to let our audience know you know what you're working on? You want to plug something and maybe how they can say hi to you? Um, yeah, thank you. Um, I would say, uh, what am I working on? Um, I do I do have a presentation kind of ready to go. That uh, I don't want to pre-announce anything, but. Um, I will make noise. Uh, Tony White live on uh, social media, Twitter. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. That's where that's, you know, the place. And I, I drop things. I like it because it's so short. I can I can yep. deal with typing, typing 141 characters. So I would uh, pre-announce. Uh, join all the meetups, I would say, especially the New York group. Do that one first. I'll let you in. Um, okay. Let me think what else. Uh, the presentation that I'm looking forward to doing is going to be a lot of infographics never seen before. Uh, and I think that'll be very, um, you know, that'll, that'll, um, 
that'll uh, pay my debt to society for the entire year, actually, because it'll be good. So I would encourage people to stop on by for that one, uh, ask questions in line, or check the recording later. Um, but other than that, uh, TW, you know, the Twitter account gets you there, TW Designs. Uh, and, you know, beyond that, um, stay <laughs> stay happy. Uh, and, uh, you know, thank you once again for having me on the show and uh, for an enjoyable for an enjoyable conversation. Yeah, it was great. Thank you, Tony. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll have you on again and uh, ha you have a good evening and, and we'll talk to you later. Okay. Okay. You too. Thanks again. And that brings us to the end of another episode of the Context Podcast. Thanks to Tony White for sharing his thoughts on the user groups that talk about FileMaker and Claris Connect and for his thoughts on bread and butter features. And please take a look at the show notes where I've listed all of the user groups that I could find, as well as Tony's link to the meetups groups as well. If you have some time, join these user groups and attend their meetings. Since we're all online, we all have the ability to attend any of the user groups all across the United States and even the world. And hey, please take a moment also to rate and review us at Apple Podcasts. We haven't gotten many reviews in the last couple weeks, and we would appreciate a lot more. I would love to have 50 reviews by the end of March. Also, we know that people like the show, and we know that people have good ideas about topics we could talk about. We also know that there are folks that would like to share their ideas. So please reach out at the Context Podcast at proofgeist.com. Until next time, the Context Podcast is keen.